here on ESPN 97.5 and 92.5. Joe George and for Jeremy Brand with the rest of the hour. Josh Chevy producing. Joel Blank here as always. And Joel, we talked a lot about the Texans today, but it's almost, I feel like we're, I'm almost at a loss for words for C.J. Stroud. But of all the things that happened in the game yesterday, what's the one or two things for you that stood out the absolute most with C.J. Stroud and their victory over the Bengals? So here's here's where I'll start first and foremost because I think of how impactful it can be. And I was talking to some buddies about this last night. The fact that in the past when you see a guy, especially when he's riding a wave of success, when you see him face true adversity, when he threw that pick on that third down, when you truly did not have to throw it, you, I was real curious to see. I anticipated that Cincinnati was going to score. I didn't know if it was a touchdown or a field goal, but I knew that there was going to be one more chance for him and this squad to do something, and I was very, very curious to see how he was going to react. Was he going to have his dauber down? Was he going to have? Was he going to have the you know the the woe is me's that he made a mistake and that might have cost his team the game? But instead, the fact that he just bounced right back, put it in his back pocket, and said, "Let's go play ball," and put you right in where you needed to be in the position to win the game until you did. That showed me everything. That was a massive moment, I think, in his career. Yeah, I agree. I think it's a huge one because it was a bad pick. Like it wasn't like the well, it was awful. And really, it was it was like his first interception he threw the season because he threw one other one, but they got the ball back on the same play because the defender right, fumbled. It was Saints, it. right? Yeah. So like he's thrown one interception in which the other team then scored a touchdown and even had a possession of the football. So like it was his first real time with adversity in that one. I actually think that's one thing that just it stood out in general for me was. I thought this was the most adversity C.J. Stroud has faced in a game. And and because one thing that we haven't really touched on, it always gets kind of swept under the rug a little bit when you win a football game or when you win, you win any game. You know, even like in the Astros are good, you don't care about the umpires. The officiating was dog. It was terrible. It was awful. And it, it went both ways. The NFL officiating this year, I think, is frankly terrible. I don't know what happened in the offseason, but it's like they all forgot how to do their jobs. But, like, he had the one play where it was clearly a, a hit to the helmet yep. that they didn't call. You know, there was bad calls everywhere. Well, there was the, there was the clear forward pass that, exactly. yeah. that went to replay where they should have got it right. I and can't believe And they still that. got it wrong. I, I'm stunned. I was stunned that they didn't overturn that. So, like, he had major penalties. And for the first time, really, in his career, we saw CJ hit the turf. I think everyone had that, uh, is he okay Uh-oh moment? moment. Like and then he got back up and he just kept playing okay. so well. So like I was impressed to see, you know, you have the adversity of the game, but then you also have you're not getting too emotional with the refs. Like he's not pulling a fromber and then he got hurt and he just he battled through. So things that you don't want to see, but he faced them and he faced them well. Well, I would say this too. Thank God for halftime. Oh, because yeah. going into halftime when they showed him on the bench waiting to go in the locker room, he looked damaged. Yeah, And the fact that he had the extended time of halftime had to help him. Because, I mean, coming out for the next series after the way he looked might have been rough. Yeah, and I think that's the other thing about this game in general is, and you guys were, like, really discussing this earlier, but they're still not playing, like, great football, this team. Like, there was a lot of bad mistakes, Mm -hmm. a lot of bad penalties. Some deserve, some not, obviously. The turnovers were there in this game. And they're just they're not executing well in certain moments, but they just keep finding a way to win. And I thought what Jeremy said earlier about like, you know, he's kind of put himself in that category of you don't want him to have the ball 
with any time left, two weeks in a row, the first rookie in the last 40 years to have two comeback winning drives in the final two minutes of a game. Last 40 years. And, and honestly, if it's before the last 40 years, it's almost like it doesn't even matter. That's not even real football, it feels like anymore. Well, but he, here's the other thing you look at, Joe, is you look at the fact that in the last two weeks, he's faced two pretty above average defensive coordinators. Yeah. And he's had his way. Yeah. He's still been able to do whatever he wanted to do. They were able to do a lot of things and keep the defense from. You know, stunting and blitzing the, the levels that they're used to doing it because of their concern for what he could do. That's the ultimate respect from a coordinator to the other side of the football, to your quarterback, and to Bobby Slowick. And that shows you just how far this team has come. Yeah, and there are a lot of things that, like, I know we're going to deep dive as a show tomorrow into about some of the decisions that were made, specifically on the two-third downs in the fourth quarter, the way that D'Amico Ryans has been using his timeouts throughout the year so far. Every time it's like, it's one of those where it's just like, what are you doing? But then it's working every time. Yeah. So it's like making me second guess what I think of football and the way that you should attack the end of the game. But it's worked well for them. But I do want to circle back to a, a topic that we got in Mailbag Monday from Lamont on Twitter about contracts. Mm-hmm. And there was one name that wasn't said, and he's number one on my list of players that are currently on their roster that Nick Casero should be trying to extend right now. It's Jonathan Grenard. I know a lot of people think you can just go find a guy, but the way Jonathan Grenard is impacting this game defensively the entire season, I I can't let that guy out the building. I'm with you on Schultz. I think those two are one and two priority. You don't think, and I don't think Cashman's going to break the bank because he's been a little bit of a journeyman, but this system fits him so well. I think that he also realizes, look, I've been to other teams where I felt like I should have been able to do more and I wasn't able to, I don't know that I want to walk out of this building. I agree. I, I don't think he's going to get like a massive contract, so that's almost why I don't really include him in that. But I will say of like these three players, just as an example, between you know Schultz, Grenard, and Cashman, I think he's like the lowest like war guy. That's- like He's the easiest guy to find someone that can do exactly what well, he does. Well, you look what Perriman's been able to do too. And you well, look at, well I mean- no, that guy stinks. I'm out on him. But I'm saying, he wasn't supposed to be anything when they brought him in. Yeah. And he's he's made plays for this team this year, right? Yeah, he just can't cover for his life. Well, but we've got, there's several guys you can throw into that, oh, that situation, oh, right? Man. Uh, he got a break on that drop by Boyd. But didn't he get a P.I. that I didn't agree with? Yeah, he got one, too. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, no, because he pushed the guy, he steps out of bounds, and then he pushed him again. No, not that one. There was one in the middle of the field where I thought, that's just, and I think even the announcers Possibly. Were like, that's like friendly fire. That's incidental contact. That oh, should yes, have been called. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. I, I like Perriman, too. I just like, and Cashman, like, I think Cashman's a good player. God, he's all over the field. Yeah. And I, I mean, look, I look at Rankins, and between Rankins and Collins, and I tweeted this yesterday, but when you start talking about how bad the front seven was a year ago, and especially the defensive line, and to add those two guys, to have those two guys, and go over the last three weeks, and obviously Rankins missed two of the last three weeks, but to know that Collins was all over the field, all over the field, and in the backfield and getting sacks, and then all of a sudden you get Rankins back, and he's doing the same thing. He had three sacks yesterday. Yeah, Those were monumental pickups, and when you look at a guy like Rankins and the fact that he's been, you know, been with the Jets and done some things, that's a guy I'd like to have back because he's the anchor of your D-line. Yeah, it's funny. It's 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 giving me this belief in Nick Casario that I just didn't think I'd ever I'd ever really have. Like, he, well, you went from the fighting Rex Burkheads yeah. to, to where you can believe in him he, again. He's identified pretty consistently good players. Shaq Griffin, another one with the big mm-hmm. interception in the end zone. Like You brought him in on a vet deal. I was surprised that he was 
really that available because I thought he was a good ball player at Seattle. But like he, Nick Casario has done a really, really good job between Malik Collins and Rankins and Griffin, Stevie Nelson. Like just collectively, yep. he has done a really good job Jerry of identifying Hughes. Jerry Hughes, Shaq Mason trading for him has been huge. And then, and like now that this team has moved forward, it almost just believes that a lot of the guys that have been brought in in the past two years in the Covey and Cully and Lovey era were just roster fillers. Oh, for sure. They, they, were, bridges. they, they were bridges across yeah. the board, just like the coaches were. Yeah, and I guess I just never really believed that they operated that way. And and maybe some of this is just coaching and CJ elevating the team between him and D'Amico. But it does seem like Nick Casario has done a really good job of elevating players that even if these players were talking about all walk, I have a confidence now in Nick Casario that like he's going to hit the free agent market and be able to identify players that are going to want to come here because of CJ and D'Amico and are going to come here under good contracts, and he's going to be able to fill gaps that some other GMs can't. Yeah, it's like the fighting Rex Burkheads with ability, right? Yeah. Like, you can find them on short-term, cheaper deals, and if they prove themselves and go elsewhere to get paid, okay, well, then I can do this again, and I can find the interchangeable parts because the one part that isn't interchangeable that's so hard to find, you found in the draft, and, and, and he's going to be cheap for you, uh, and he's also going to be really good for you, so you need to put guys around him because it goes to wide receiver. It goes to a lot of different positions, too, where you're like, look, I trust in his ability to analyze the right talent because, look, Pierce was the right talent for two years ago. Mm-hmm. Pierce isn't the right talent for this system. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I, I think what Nick Casario has done with some of the gaps he's filled, we're, we're seeing it play out. It's why the Texans, it's not just CJ, it's not just D'Amico. Nick Casario did a really good job filling out this roster with cheap veteran players. And, and D'Amico Ryans and C.J. Stroud have elevated them to a level that is, if the season ended today, put the Houston Texans in in the playoffs. It, it's really impressive can, can what I this team has done. Of the, which did you hold your breath more on in terms of the injuries yesterday? Because Tank's injury scared the hell out of me. Yeah, I was actually surprised that so many people were really upset with the refs on that play. I, guess, I didn't think it was a penalty. Yeah, because it was a poorly thrown football. That's what I thought too. Like I think people were like saying like it's not catchable. He was a defenseless receiver. And I was like, well, that's probably one of the worst throws we've seen C.J. Sherrod make this year. But that hit was gnarly. He avoided avoided the head. He went lower. He got to the body. But the thing that scared me the most was when he went to the blue tent, because when he was on the ground, I'm going, oh, my God. If they lose him after not having Nico already, where are they going to be? And then two plays later, without the announcer saying a damn word, I looked in motion. I go, well, there goes Tank. I guess he's okay. Yeah, he's fine. Uh, Nice to see John Mechie get a catch yesterday. I thought he could have gotten a few more. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Yesterday's game was very impressive. It was a great weekend for Houston Oh, no doubt. You have... Joe Espada is officially the Astros manager. The Texans got a big victory. That Dynamo advanced in the playoffs. And the Houston Rockets last night beat the defending champs. And they are 1-0 in the in-season tournament. No, 2-0, I thought. Didn't they beat New Orleans Friday night? Was was last night part of the in-season tournament, too? I know New Orleans was. I can't remember. New Orleans was. I don't don't know know if Denver was. They didn't. They didn't wear the funk, the the H town uniforms yesterday, but I, I, was the court terrible last night? I don't remember. No, I don't think it was. So okay. I think I don't think last night was okay. in season right. turn. Right. I can't keep track. But all I know is the Houston Rockets have won six straight games, and if the season ended today, it's a little early for this one. I think 
They'd be a top five stop seed in the right Western there. Conference. Stop right there. We'll talk about the Rockets next year. I'm Joe George filling in for the final hour. Jeremy Branham. He's Joe Blank. It's the Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5 and 92.5. Hey, before we go to the break, tell you about the good people at my bookie. Look, you got a Monday night football game if you still want to try and make it a little bit more interesting because you might have to with the teams playing because it looks like a one-sided affair. But if you know something or feel something that maybe could make you some money, why not go to mybookie.ag right now and put some money down on it? It's the only place I tell you to bet with because of the fact that they have everything that can check every box that makes it the right place for you. Your money is safe and secure because they've been in business for over a decade. They aren't going anywhere, so neither is your cash. And they're constantly taking care of you as the customer. That means like right now, they've got another match bonus going on. You go to mybookie.ag, you sign up, you put money in your account from 50 to $1,000. Whatever you put in, they'll put in. Double the money means more games you can bet on, more chances you can win. It's absolutely fantastic. And then for those of you that said, well, I know that there's all these sports that I can bet on uh, on mybookie.ag. What if there's no games going on? Well, how about live dealers standing by with casino games like poker and blackjack so that you could still keep the fun going and have some casino game gambling going on right there at mybookie.ag. All you got to do is remember our promo code BET975. That's what, that's what opens the door and gets you to that match bonus. That's how you get taken care of. Always remember that that as your key to success, no matter how you do in the games, you remember the, the promo code BET975. Go to mybookie.ag right now. When they ask you for the promo code when you put money in your account, put in the promo code BET975 and immediately start cashing in. Then if you know what you're doing, you can cash in on a regular basis by betting with a reliable place that's always going to take care of you, the customer, and the money you put in. It's like I always tell you, bet anything, anytime. Anywhere. With the only place I tell you to do it, it's mybookie.ag, promo code BET975. Killer Bees here on ESPN 97.5 and 92.5. Last night, the Houston Rockets moved to 6-3. and three, Got a 107-104 win over the defending champions, the Denver Nuggets. It was not an in-season tournament game. Mm-hmm. Just a good victory is mm-hmm. what it was. I mean, it was, you know, all these wins, the last six, I feel like they, they all look very different. And that's one of, I think, the most encouraging parts offensively about this team. We saw last night Jabari Smith only had eight points. Dylan Brooks only had 10. Jalen Green only had nine. And you beat the, one of the best teams in the NBA, if not the best team in the NBA. I know they didn't have Jamal Murray, but they still had the best player in the world on the court. And Jokic was awesome. But this team is just finding different ways to okay. win offensively every single night. And it's super impressive from that side of the ball, that they're not so locked in to, you know, like the way it used to be, where it was like, if Harden doesn't score, you've got no prayer. Not just Harden. Last year, it was iso ball upon iso ball upon iso ball. It just depended on who was going to do it. Yeah, and last year, it's like, it's kind of like the, it was backyard basketball and it was poor basketball. And no defense, right? That's where, like, these teams, like, it's it's crazy. And we're going to do our favorite segment because we've gotten some, a, a small kerfuffle about them once, about the future of the Rockets and the Texans, because now it's a much more fun conversation, I think, about like the future of these teams. But offensively, the Rockets are playing good basketball, but everything really is just, it's through Alpi, and, and the more you go through Alpi, it seems like the better it works for this team. So uh, here's how you, I, I was just going to ask, are you a glass half full or a glass half empty guy? Usually because, I'm full, half full. Okay, so then you just covered the full part. Yeah. The glass half empty guys, Jamal Murray didn't play last night. I know. We've had this conversation. We had it last right. week. Like, so, just... so that's just, and I'm not saying, because here's the thing. As a basketball aficionado, I can already tell you that I can, I can watch an entire Rockets game now. That I've already noticed 
them running an offensive system. They would have never in a million years thought about running a system through Alpi, let alone moving him from the low block to the elbow to the middle of the, the, the nail head in the center of the lane so that he could facilitate offense because that's not what Steven Silas was about. And the fact that everything starts with defense and you're seeing this team with each passing game learn, understand, and execute offensively and defensively, turnovers are down. Defensive stops are up. They're able to survive the Joker with another monster Mm triple-double by making sure that everybody else didn't beat them. And then we always talk about the mirror images that I I started the conversation way back when years ago about the mirror images between the Texans and the Rockets. Well, now, with all that you said, Joe, about the fact that, look, this was a great weekend for Houston sports, who's the unsung hero that each team had that you also have to kudos to their organization for picking up? Yesterday, it showed out to be Singletary. Yeah. Singletary was a monster in the backfield. Jeff Green, who looked like big brother, Uncle Jeff, just going to be in the locker room to be kind of like a guiding force guy. Yeah. Huge in the fourth quarter. Out of nowhere. And, and then that's what I think where you're going with this, and, and I agree, is it doesn't have to be the same guy. Even if Albie has a down game, I still feel like this team offensively can play really well. But what you said, I think, is the, is the most important part of what we've seen through the last six games about the Rockets. Defensively, this is a different team. I, I think even Jalen Green, his effort... He understands. It's like, it's not even... like I don't think he's a great defender, but in the NBA, there's such little effort so many times from players that like when you just try a little bit, like Steph Curry, he just tries on defense, and sometimes he looks like a good defender just because he's giving effort mm-hmm. compared to the guys on the opposite end of the court. I, the Rockets are playing really good defense, and like you're seeing the effect of Ime Adoka right away on this team. It's really impressive. Well, and the fact that you now have a stable, basketball-minded, solid first voice in every meeting, in every huddle, uh, and everything they do basketball-wise from from who they pick up and what they do from that perspective all the way on. you got the best available coach in the free agency market this offseason, and it's paying dividends three, four, five-fold, right? Mm -hmm. So when you look at it, you match up everybody and say, well, if you show me D'Amico, I show you Udoka. You know, you show me the fact that, you know, you've got from the, from their coaching staffs, and I'll show you that their coaching staffs are making these teams better. You're, you, you, we're going with, you know, everything that this team these teams have done to suddenly take this jump up, and it starts with the loudest voices in the room. D'Amico for the Texans, Udoka for the, for the Rockets, and everyone respects him. And to your Jalen Green point, the reason why Jalen Green's playing defense is he knows he won't see the court if he doesn't. Yeah, and it sounds like Cam Thomas is going to be back. Um, Cam, Whitmore. Cam Whitmore is going to be back on Friday when they continue. That one is an in-season tournament game against the defeated because they are 0-4 since they have traded for James Harden, Harden, Los I mean, Angeles fantastic. Clippers. Uh, so they'll play the Clippers on Friday night. That's their next big matchup. But like so, when we did the Texan stuff early in the season, it was you know we want, you don't want to be left behind. You don't want to be left behind in the CJ Stroud conversation, and it feels like everyone's kind of caught up to where we collectively as a show were about how much we believe in CJ Stroud. I do think some of the Rocket stuff has gotten a little, we're a little deep into like where this team could go. But I, I looked at NBA Power Rankings, and they had him as the eighth best team in the NBA, and that surprised me. But like. How long, not a, not a win streak per se, but how long this stylistic, the style they're playing basketball, do they need to play like this for you to like really be bought in to what this team can be this season? It's a good question. And, and, and 
let's go back with the way we did this with Stroud. There's always boxes to check, mm-hmm. right? So offensively and defensively, they're starting to check boxes. They're running systems, right? Um, from the standpoint of helping and you know keeping turnovers down and shooting the three ball better. And the beauty of this team is, unlike the Texans with a C.J. Stroud, who has to be where it all starts from, we talked about this previously, that it's not anybody's team anymore. It's on a night-by-night basis. Fred could be your guy one night. Jalen could be your guy the next night. Dylan Brooks could be your not, your guy one night when he gets the three ball going. It could be interchangeable parts in terms of who the high scorer is, but the team element is so strong that you can bring a Cam Whitmore into the mix knowing that they're so deep and there's so much talent. You didn't need them before, but maybe on this road trip, you might need someone that can do more and is a younger, you know, uh, higher level of, of a heartbeat when you need a guy with energy. Yeah. So it's a beauty that both, in, in every situation so far for the Rockets, you haven't had to have the one guy carry the load for you like CJ. You've had a variety of different guys. I think Van Vliet, and it goes back to a Michael Bourne conversation we had when a guy changes teams in the middle of a season or at the start of a season. The adjustment goes from the locker room to where you're living to you know getting to and from things and understanding everything. I think Fred was settling in, but now you can truly see him be what I thought that Udoka wanted him to be, which is his quarterback on the floor for ev- and coach on the floor for everything. That's only going to make them better. But now the boxes that I was getting to, can you win on the road? Can you beat the same good teams that you beat at home, but can you do it in their place? Can you do it away from home for a week like you were home for six or seven games? Yeah. That's where it starts to, like, take it to the next level. Yeah, I think so, too. I think that's a good marker of, like, and I think, look, Friday is a good one. You know, Look, you're playing the Los Angeles Clippers. Yes, they're 0-4 since they traded for Harden. They've got a lot of work, too. Harden was some of the highlights from his last game are just, it's, they're not highlights. They, they are that cross court pass that hit Ian Eagle in the lap. Oh my gosh, that one! Then he like airball the three, and then he tried to take a baseline when he got it back. It is just collectively bad basketball. But part of I think what the the box you know checking the boxes is you know continue to be on the teams that you should be because that's where like the Rockets I think are similar to a point with the Texans. Like we called the Texans should beat the Panthers. They didn't, but they've made up for it since. The Rockets, you're playing a team that's disorganized, that has more talent than you, but it's just not playing good basketball. Friday night's a good one to check because you're playing the Clippers on the road. They have more talent. You beat them. It's just another positive thing. We'll see how many guys play. And that's what's so hard about the NBA, like we've discussed, is Harden and Kawhi might miss Friday's game. Like You just don't know. But that's why I'll go back to something that we had also talked about, which is you can't dictate or be responsible for what other teams are going to do against you you're only responsible for playing the next game on the schedule. And so whether Harden and Kawhi play or not, whether it's on the road or at home, your job is to go out to beat the L.A. Clippers. And if you come with the same focus and the same defensive effort and the same offensive share-the-ball mentality that you've had in the past, you're going to be in the ballgame. Now, I'm not guaranteeing you're going to win because every every game is another milestone and another way for this team to grow. And I'm, I think they're still so far away from finding out what their ceiling could be. Oh, yeah. But the fact that if they could go on the road and take on a team like the Clippers with as much talent as you're talking about and get another W, you're going to start getting more and more people to believe. And is it is it fair to say that in the NBA for you, because I do view it this way, that like the regular season is a fun story. It's great if they make the playoffs this year, but you don't really know who a team is until they make the playoffs. Because like, that's how I felt about the Grizzlies, so I'm not going to hold the Rockets to a you know, a different standard than I would John Morant's Grizzlies. Like, it was fun that they were making this big run in the Western Conference, and they were playing really good basketball. But when they got to the playoffs, they were a disaster. And, like, that's where, like, I kind of view – I just don't – 
the, the regular season will be fun, but I don't feel like you can really take that next step as an organization until, you know, even Tillman alluded to this, until you have playoff games under your belt. But I'll say this, Joe. You can do it without doing it. And, and, and what I mean by that is, if down the stretch you play a ton of meaningful games because you have to win them, or you're in like the Astros in the regular season, sure. right? Then I think you start to get a pretty good indication of what you're dealing with. Who, who can step up? Who's going to James Harden and bow out? Who's going to be able to take it to the next level for you? Who's going to be solid and consistent? You can get to know a lot about your team without making the playoffs if the fact that there's a fight to get there. All right, one of our favorite discussions to have when Jeremy is away. Whose stock and future is brighter? The Rockets or the Texans? And is one of their futures so bright it passes the Astros finally on this list? We discuss it next year on the Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5 and 92.5. Hey, before we go to the break, tell you about the good people at Apollo Men's Health. I've been speaking for Apollo Men's Health for years because I believe in them because they got me results. They can get you results. They're getting results for people on a daily basis. It could be anything from getting more energy in your life to recovering quicker at the gym to basically doing a body composition analysis and being able to chart your progress when your numbers start looking better, like your body fat going down, your muscle mass going up. Start the process today. Go to the website, ApolloMH.com. Check it out. See if there are services that they offer that might be beneficial to you. Everybody's going through something when they go through their daily grind from day in and day out. It could be in the weight room, the boardroom, the bedroom, and, and you just don't know when it's going to hit, but then you don't know if there's anything you can do about it. That's why Apollo Men's Health is here for you because they can take care of so much of it so that you can feel great again. And they have three locations to better serve you, two near downtown Houston, one in League City just opened up. The fact is they care about their patients. They're going to get you results. And if you mention my name, Joel Blank, that B12 shot that I get every week, you can get one too and see if it gets more energy in your life. If you're interested in maybe doing that body composition analysis, get the first one free if you mention my name. And then let the process go from there. Tell them where you're lacking. They're going to put you on a program that works. They're going to get you the results you need because that's what they do day to day. They care about their patients and they get them to where they need to go. That's why they can be so beneficial. And from an energy perspective, Look, you can get hormone therapy and all the different ways that either you can administer it or they can administer it for you, and you can get more energy for both men and women. And the fact is, if you want to lose weight and don't want to get in the gym, semi-glutide is now available. You can lose up to six pounds every week without ever picking up a weight or getting on a treadmill. Check them out today. Tell them I sent you by. Go see the good people at Apollo Men's Health. Joe George filling in for Jeremy Brandon, the final hour of the Killer Bees. Joel Blank here, as always. We're on Twitter at Joe George Radio at Pac-Man. Joel, you know... Before the season, when we would have these discussions about which future is brighter between the Rockets and the Texans, it was really like you had those conversations based around who they were hiring, right? Like you have Ime Adoka, you have D'Amico Ryans. Like that's all you really had to base it off and a bunch of question marks. Like what is the step that Jabari Smith takes? How good are C.J. Stroud and Will Anderson in their rookie year? But so far, you know, obviously the NBA season is so much different in terms of length versus the Texans, but... You know, the Rockets are six and three, the Texans are five and four, and the arrow is pointed straight up for both these teams. Now, I think the Texans, I said it last week, I'm fully on board with, and I'm not going to back down that I think CJ Stroud is a good enough quarterback that he will take the Texans to a Super Bowl for the first time in franchise history. I don't know if I see right now like an NBA championship caliber team in the Rockets. Okay. But both but both arrows are straight, straight up. Don't you? I mean, look, life's better when your arrow's straight up. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you can't have these conversations with Jeremy. Uh, but here's, I just, here's how I look at it, Joe. Let's not let's not generalize it so much, but specifically say to win an NBA title. 
let's take it a step back and say, could they win the division? Could they make the playoffs? Yeah. You know, uh, could they have a, a better than 500 record? I think the answer is obvious when it comes to both teams where the Rockets was a big question mark and so was the Texans at the start of the year. We're more progressed into the NFL season, but it's pretty obvious the Texans are on, on a path to have a better than 500 record. The Rockets was one where we didn't think, none of us thought that they were going to win 40-41 games. Right now, it looks like, because no matter how good or bad you are, if you put together a streak like this in the middle of a regular season that's 82 games, you're headed down a path where, and I go back to some of those older teams like the Sonics, the one year that they got off to such a hot start and won so many games in a row, that no matter how bad they got later in the season, they were still a home court advantage top seed in the playoffs, and they finished better than 500. Yeah. I think you could look at both teams and say, could they both finish better than 500? Yes. Do the Texans have the uh, advantage in that in, in terms of where they sit and how they've already played? Yes. But the Rockets look pretty good, right? Okay. Can they win the division? I think the Mavericks right off the top, and especially with the start that they got off to and the, the fact that they have a ton of talent on their team, I think the Mavericks are the, are, 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 the Spurs aren't there yet with Wemby, though they've played well. But, but when you look at the division and you start looking at who could win it or, or the chances to win it, I don't think the Rockets are anywhere close to the Mavericks, so I say no. But when you look at the Texans, you say, well, we thought the Jags were the cream of the crop. Yeah, It looks like with only a one-game lead, and you have, you right now have the advantage over them in terms of the tiebreaker, it's legit to say that, that the Texans could win the division. Yeah, I definitely think, like, I, I'll, be, I'll be honest, like, 90% of the time, I think I forget who's in divisions in the NBA. I just don't really... Well, worked at, working there long enough, I know Spurs, Mavs, Rockets. Yeah. Pelicans, Pelicans, I believe. Yeah, it's just it just doesn't it just doesn't matter as much. So with it's funny, it's like the, the NBA, it's all about just making the playoffs, and, and and I think the Rockets can do that. Now I think similar to, like on where there's similarities between these two teams and their circumstances is I think what I view the AFC as now and what I view just early on in the season when I view the Western Conference as I view them less positively. Like I I don't view the AFC. As this like conference of just like the gauntlet, we this, thought it was. Yeah, I just don't view it that way. And part of it is the Chargers. Like, yes, they have a great quarterback, but they're you know a couple games below five hundred. They can't beat the Lions yesterday. They just kind of fail to achieve the smoke and mirrors that is the Pittsburgh Steelers. You cannot like I don't believe in it. You cannot tell me you get outgained in every single game you've played this year, but you're six and three. I don't buy it. It's fraudulent. Like there's just there's no way it's real. And the same thing, I think, with the Western Conference in the NBA, where it's just it's not as elite as I think we thought it was going to. But season. it's again with comparisons, wild card NFL with the extra teams is the heir apparent to or the exact same thing as the play in tournament yeah, in fair. the NBA. Yeah, I think both teams have solidified themselves as being players in their respective one of those. Right. Yeah. I think the Rockets have forced their way into the conversation that they should be in the be in the conversation for the play in tournament at the end of the year. I think the Texans right now, as it sits, would be a playoff team. So you have to say that they're going to be in contention for a wild card, if not more, in the playoffs. Now, who executes and can take it to get another level between now and then? There's more season to be played with the Rockets, but also injuries happen. You know the schedule is tough. Yeah, that's true. So there's a t- it's tougher to be able to gauge. From a Texans perspective, we know the schedule. We know where they are at it. We know that they've been able to endure a lot of injuries and still persevere. And you know that your best player, when upright, which they've been able to do, credit to them, puts you at a different level. So I think the Texans have a better chance from that perspective. I think that's where like the conversation now is. It's it's not an anti-Rockets thing, 
talk about the how bright these teams' futures are. I think that the Texans are well ahead of the Houston Rockets mm-hmm. because I think the way that C.J. Stroud is playing at this moment is like what we expect Victor Wembanyama to be in the NBA. Let me throw the like really he's a, big. He's a superstar, but he's also their he's their go to right. He is their yeah. star player. So now this flips a conversation you and I had previously, which is the Rockets already have their go to players on their roster. The Texans don't. Now, Joe, I would argue the Texans do, and maybe the Rockets don't. I feel like there's a big piece. Maybe it's just because the way the NBA cycle works, but it still feels like there's going to be one more big piece. Like before the, the Rockets really take whatever that next step is going to be, not just this season, but into the future. It feels like that, you know, they have the they have the assets between what they have now, the Brooklyn trade, the players on the roster, that like when the big name is one day available. They should be the the team that goes and gets them. But you put a boatload of money behind Van oh, yeah. Fleet and Brooks because you had to, right? But at the start of the year, Joe, or or at the start of even last season and then this season, if I said to you, who is the best player? Who is the best chance to be a star player on the Rockets roster? Like it would have been Jalen Green, yeah. And I think Jabari Smith would have been next, and then it would have been a crapshoot as to who you would have put third. But Al P would have been fringe. Mm-hmm. Now. I don't know how you don't say Alpi is your most consistent best player, and that's why I say I don't know if they truly because at a certain point you're gonna have to pay Jalen, and if Jalen's just doing this, I don't think he's doing enough to get the kind of max money he thinks he's worth. No, I, I tend to agree, but like that's what like just like it's, that's why I think this conversation is kind of fun to compare these two because while the Texans, I think it's very clear they have their star, the Rockets. What I think what I like about their future the most is that they don't have it locked in yet. Like, there's still a chance that the best player, the most important player on the Houston Rockets is Amen Thompson. Or he's not there yet. Or he's not there yet. Or it's Alpi. Like, I, I think it's interesting to kind of compare and contrast, you know, previous comments from Nikola Jokic to what we got last night. During Steven Silas's era, Nikola Jokic was very vocal after a Nuggets game that, like, the Rockets were using Shangun wrong. Yep. And he was basically, like, telling them, Use him like they use me. You will have success. Then last night after the game, he acknowledged that the Rockets were letting the offense flow through Shangun. And I don't think he can be Jokic, but he's damn impressive. Like he he's, he doesn't have to be if you have the right pieces around him either, yeah. right? But that's why I think the biggest liability right now or the biggest question mark with the potential for liability is right now, it, it's not even Jalen Green because he's still getting his numbers. It's Shabari Smith. Yeah, because I would like to see more from Jabari. He's been, I think he's been the guy I would put in the disappointment category. I agree. Because I think I got fooled. I'm not going to put everyone's on everyone on this, but like I got fooled by Summer League Jabari. I, I was like, I thought he went there and he kind of. Here's ex- the biggest problem with that, Joe. He showed what he could be. You know what he showed? He showed he can play one-on-one really well. Yeah. Right? And so that's the way they used to play. Now he's being expected to play in this system. And when you see him from time to time, especially when he has a smaller guy on him, he goes, well, I got to go one-on-one. Now, you, no, you really don't. Now you probably should put him on the low block and, po- and, and put him in the popcorn machine down in the low block and use him for being too short. But instead, you want to go face up one-on-one, shake and bake, and then take a really awkward off-balance shot that gets you no, no good. Yeah, it was like the second game of the season. He had Steph Curry in the post, and he did a turnaround fadeaway jumper, and you're just like, why? Well, if you're Steve Curry, you're going, why? thank you very much. I'll take that every single time. Yeah, I just it's nice because I think that this is – the way it looks on paper at this moment, you know, if you go back to 2017, 
you know, the the Astros win the World Series. You have Deshaun Watson's playing really good football. He obviously tears his ACL the next morning. Mm-hmm. But you have Chris Paul and you have James Harden. You're like, okay, this is the golden era of Houston sports. Like, it is not going to get any better ever than it was around, like, from 2017 to however long. But we all know how that story played out. James Harden went more James Harden. Deshaun Watson hit the massage table. And, like, everything just kind of fell apart and the Astros kept trucking along. And then now, but I think I think now it feels better of of hope that it's going to be the best era of Houston sports than it's ever been because I think you have an organization in the Astros that is going to continue to win, maybe not at the pace they have, but you have a superstar quarterback and you have a Rockets franchise that is like really on the up and up. So this might be we like we might be in at the beginning of the best Houston sports has collectively ever been, and if we're not. It might be the Astros' fault. Well, but here's what that I think. We're not. Anything's better than where we were, right? Because That's a fact. the Astros were just the saving grace that kept you from getting up on a ledge with an anvil in your hand tied to your ankle like the old Clutch City commercials because you couldn't take it anymore. Yeah. I mean, you look at it and say, even if it's not the best run in the golden era of Houston sports, if you could get all three teams relevant again. Be nice. And all three teams talking about postseason again. Yeah. What a refreshing thing. We talk about refreshing to see the Texans being a positivity and, and optimism. If the whole city, if we could be that way across the board, what a relief that would be. Yeah, instead of the two worst teams in their respective sports with the Rockets and the Texans, this season's already like, it feels like a massive win for the Rockets just because it just, it feels like it's just so much better. Like if a big injury comes and things fall apart quickly, I still feel very bullish about the future team, and we just we know what the Texans are. They're a damn good football team. Mm-hmm. So I think that question's been answered. All right, final segment next. You know what that means? Our car wreck of the day brought to you by CarWreckTexas.com. Get your nominations into 713-780-3776. It is the Killer Bees here on ESPN 97.5 and 92.5. All right, time for the car wreck of the day here on the Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5 and 92.5 brought to you by CarWreckTexas.com. Joel Blank, as always, will start us off. Yeah, this is a no-brainer to me, and I don't want to leave anybody out, so I'm just going to blanket it by saying everything to do with Texas A&M University and their football team and the hiring, extending, and celebrating of Jimbo Fisher. The fact that you are now on the map as the biggest overpaying embarrassment in the history of college football coaching by $50-plus million in owed dead money in the way that you handled this, all because you already had overpaid him the first time, but you had worry and concern he might. He wasn't going to. You don't know if he was going to even consider it very strongly. But because another team came calling and you were so scared, you gave him an extension that is now going to put you on the hook for $76 million. What the hell are you doing? Yeah, what a disaster. Uh, I think I've already decided uh, that... Texas A&M and Jimbo Fisher uh, will be the number one seed in the Bad Take Boulevard bracket. I was just telling Joel this. If you guys don't know the story about this plaque, there's a plaque that they made the day he got hired and it says, Jimbo Fisher, national champion head coach. It says 2-0, and then there's two dashes after it. They were just going to fill it in whenever they won a national championship. Embarrassing. That's Embarrassing. Even war- I mean, that's just adding extra fuel to the fire of forget the bonfire 
just this whole situation just burning into a towering inferno. Yeah, it was just it's everything about the A and M stuff was a disaster. And like, look, I, I think they're going to be in a good spot once they get a new head coach. I do believe that like you can win in College Station. I just think they hired a fraud. Well, I, you know what? I I, I wouldn't say that because he did have success with Jameis Winston. But you know what he was? He was he's an old school coach in a new school college football situation with NIL. Yeah. And the fact that you. It was so mind-boggling to me that over and over again you could have a top-five recruiting class and in college football and be this bad and never get the quarterback right. Yeah. And, and, when like you, he, and when you had the one that could have been right, you let him walk for the other guy who ends up being a journeyman back up in the NFL. And it's like someone had access, even back in his day, to helicopters for high school games to get these recruiting classes. It's never been a problem about recruiting. It's just winning. It's winning and getting a quarterback that can play. Yeah, look, he's he went twenty seven and one and won a national championship with Jameis Winston. He's been a pretty good coach since then, but like his success in his career is thanks to Jameis Winston, a and, guy who ate W well, and and W and no NIL. And if you transferred, but it was he's a done year. so good with all that stuff. But it, it just goes to show you if Kellen Mond was your best chance to, to succeed at quarterback. I know. Post Johnny Manziel, what are you doing? Yeah, and then two eight two eight zero three says Jimmy won with Jimbo won with Bobby Bowden. People, he's right. Like those aren't even his players, really. Besides, I think besides Jameis, that's like Gruden uh, winning with Tony Dungy. People, yeah. Eight eight three five says the Ravens for blowing big leads yet again. Yeah, yeah, that was the that was a tough game. I thought that game was over about three times. It was, and then all of a sudden I was like, oh well, Cleveland's making a game of it, and that fluky ball off the helmet. That that uh, Lamar threw. It's like okay, well they'll still be okay. And then all of a sudden I see, oh the Browns are lining up for the game-winning field goal. I'm like, what the hell just happened? Okay, do you believe in ESPN win probability? Do you like that? Like that? Uh, I'm not, yeah, show? I'm not that geeky about all that. I'm not, but I do love this stat. It blows my mind. The Ravens have lost seven games in the last two regular seasons with Lamar as a starter. They had a 75 percent win probability according to ESPN's win probability win probability tracker in the fourth quarter of every single one of those games. Ooh. In five of the seven, they had a 90% chance to win in the fourth quarter. So you're putting it on Lamar? I think it's on Lamar. That's tough, man. I don't, That's I mean, tough. It, I don't know if it's on Lamar because I don't see him making like bad mistakes. Except for that pick six yesterday, one of the worst throws we've seen him ever make probably. Okay. Uh, Josh? So, for me, it definitely has to be the Clippers. I mean, I understand why they made the trade for James Harden earlier in the season rather than at the trade deadline. So, you give yourself some time to at least figure it out and go through the rough stage that they're going through right now. But, my God, it looks even worse than what I could possibly envision at the time. I even, I remember tweeting right when the trade happened, like, I pray for Ty Lue's mental health, trying to figure out this uh, chemistry experiment. You and don't get fired because of it too. Well, and, and Russ was Russ was the guy that I felt bad for because he took like less than five million a year to play there. He wanted to stay home. He was being a good teammate, a good Samaritan, playing the right way in the system. James gets there, and you already knew. I was like, oh god, who's going to pay the price first? It's Russ. And the other night, did you see his face when Lou subbed him out for Harden to come in? Eesh, not good. Yeah, it's not good. Even like the whole like interaction when James walked in the locker room the first time. I see. Like they all just kind of stood there, and eventually Russ got up. It seemed like just not really. Remember, Paul George truthful. was talking on his podcast with Jalen Green in the offseason. He's coming here. Hot Go, take. Going, hey, if Jalen, Jalen, if Harden was to come to the Rockets, I don't think that would have been be a good deal for you. Paul George will get traded to the Houston Rockets this offseason. Cash or trash it? Trash it. 
trashed or traded he's for He's an L.A. kid. He's not, he's not going anywhere. First-round picks? Jabari? I don't know. Uh, my nomination? I'm just going to nominate the NFL and the people who make it scheduled. You gave me Bears-Panthers. You gave me Jets-Raiders. Yeah. And even tonight, it's the Broncos and the Bills. What are we doing? Like, you have flex power. They can flex football games, guys. It started and with— And they don't. That thought process to me, as bad as I was like, I'm looking forward to watching a football game after the Rockets game tonight. It's going to be great. And I go, oh, no, that's the matchup. I mean, like, it's in Russ. Look, the Broncos are playing good. I actually am very intrigued by tonight's game because I think we'll tell the story a little bit about who the Buffalo Bills are. But, like, come on, man. The Broncos are still not near clo- anywhere close to the Bills. The thing that got me was when Aikman and Joe Buck were starting to do promos all day on ESPN and had to lie about the matchup and the significance and what a game. Yeah. It's like... It sucks. Now, next week's incredible. I will say that. We got Bengals-Ravens on Thursday That's night. good. Sunday night's fine. It's a. It's not the best. It's Vikings-Broncos. That sucks. But Monday night, Eagles-Chiefs. Ooh, that I is a good one. I can't wait for next Monday. Yeah, that's a good one. Like, what a way to start Thanksgiving week with Eagles and Chiefs on Monday night football. Winner, A&M, right? A&M easy, right? Yeah. A&M collectively, you are the car wreck of the day. Brought to you by Car Wreck Texas. Dot com. Congratulations. As J- Jimbo drives away in his Bentley. Uh, all New York football thrown in there late. They all suck. The oh, that's tough to Giants watch. Are we thought that spread was too big for Giants-Cowboys. Oh, my God. Wasn't even nearly enough. We should have done that. We had another good week on BZ Money. We did. We did. We keep kicking ass. We're 3-1-1 one one going into tonight's game. We have the Is our bills. website going up soon? Uh, no, it's not. It should, though. Just yeah. listen. Every Friday, whenever we do the BZ Money. All right, that does it for us, the Killer Bees. I'll be on for another hour with the bullpen. We'll be back tomorrow collectively at 3 o'clock. Talk to you in a few.